Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Promise, and you're listening to Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the work, Kyle, can you open us up in prayer? Yes. In your name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and this opportunity to gather together to discuss your word, God. We just bind the hand of the enemy as it tries to come against the body of the believers, God, and we thank you for the divine healing and restoration, God, that you are the author and finisher of our faith, God, and that you keep those that we faithfully commit to you, God. We thank you for our partners and our listeners, God, and we declare it done in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody, and welcome to our morning Bible study. We're still in Romans. We're in chapter 4, and we are going to begin with verse 9. And can I get a volunteer to read 9 through 16, please? I will. All right, Layla. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only, or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that, in right- that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect, because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who was the father of us all. Well, amen. So as we normally do here, I'm going to open up the floor to each of you that are here. That um, I want to give you the opportunity to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about in this section of scripture and of course to ask any questions that you have all right none of us has all the answers except the lord of course right so we're all learning and growing together all right mm-hmm. yeah. so who'd like to begin don't everybody jump at once I had a question. Okay. What does it mean in verse 14 where it says, For those who are, for those who are the law, for those who are... For are, if those. Oh, sorry. For mm-hmm. if those who are the law are heirs. Heirs, baby. Heirs. Heirs, sorry. Mm-hmm. Faith is made mm-hmm. void and the promise made no, of no effect. Because the law brings a, brings about wrath. For 
Where there's no law, there's no transgression. Okay, so which part do you have a question about, darling? Uh, I just want more clarity on that scripture. Okay. You got an answer for him, Kyla? Yes, it's talking about that it goes back to the scripture where the righteousness of man cannot appease God. It does not produce God-like results. But it also means that if it was up to us to be perfectly flawless, we would not inherit the promise because humans cannot be righteous all on their own. We're only made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Okay, there you go. So if, if legalism and following every statue of the law was enough to equal righteousness in God's eyes, then we would no longer need the grace of God. We step outside of that. And it when we talked about at the beginning, it's no longer a gift, but it's a debt. Um, mm-hmm. So it's as though God owes us something versus he's giving a give us giving us a gift that we don't deserve, um, which is grace. So he was talking about um, just what you said, Kyla, you can't do enough to earn God's approval. You can't earn it in your flesh, but we can take it by faith in God, which is how Abraham was found in God's eyes. Abraham was not circumcised. He wasn't a Jew. He was a Chaldean. And what God loved about him, what drew the connection to God was that Abraham believed what God said to him and God counted it to him for righteousness. Not anything about his outward appearance, not anything about um, his perfection in and of itself. And then the part where it says where there's, where the, because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law, there is no transgression. It's like, if there's no speed limit posted, you can't get caught for speeding, right? Yes. Yes. So that's what he was talking about. Um, widespread knowledge of the law given through Moses brought accountability. However, there was still accountability that wasn't seen because there were spiritual laws and people were still suffering death and the consequences, but they had no way of knowing what was actually happening, why the enemy was able to come and devour in certain cases because they weren't aware. But once we become aware, now we're accountable. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Did you have something? Well, just listening to you say that, it seems like there's a component um, that the law also um, exposes the corruption of our heart. It does indeed. Uh-huh. It does indeed. It really kind of takes away that um, that self-justification kind of thought there because if we look to the law in that, then it really reveals what's really going on in us, which is consistent with what Jesus said, you know, out of our mouth exposes what's the heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when God, prior to the flood, when he looked at man, he was grieved in his heart, and he said that the heart of men was con- dwelt on, yeah, yeah. on Always, yeah. continually wicked. And the, the intentions, the meditations that, was, that were found in the heart of man, and, of course, this is after um, sin was allowed to come in, that the med- the thoughts of the man's heart of mankind's heart and it's not a man but or one woman but it's just mankind in general were continually wicked so god just shining a light 
because he is a light. He is the light, right? <laughs> That's what he does. But also it helps us to change our course and recognize uh, God's standard, who he actually is and what's really required. But then you also see the gentleness of God because he offered us grace and said, take grace, <laughs> just take grace, take grace, because in and of ourselves we cannot beat the sin rap, if you will. You know, you can't, you can't out think it you can't out maneuver it but you can step into the grace of God and the love of God and begin that course and let the blood of Jesus Christ do its part you know do what it's supposed to do for us well that also removes the tendency of people to um, discount themselves you know we look at somebody and they go well they're just a natural born sales and they could sell ice to an Eskimo you know kind of <laughs> right you know those kind of things and and we have a tendency to look at others um, and see something and, 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 and possibly even hold them in esteem by lowering our own esteem mm-hmm. in doing that. But in this, it's clear that it's only by grace. Nobody has any merit to proclaim salvation. It's only the gift of Christ that does it. And mm-hmm. um, so it really kind of levels a playing field for all of us. And again, it takes away every excuse that the playing field isn't level. It truly is level. That's right. That's right. I mean, and us being people that are born naturally outside of um, the Hebrew culture, the he- Hebrew lineage in the flesh, it, it actually opens the door and, and says, no, you're just as loved. And, you know, you guys hear me say this a lot. The enemy doesn't take a, a day off on technicalities. And God is truly no respecter of persons. And, you know, all of this, what the the apostle is talking about here is to go, no, this is what God is looking for. You're welcomed in. You're not less than. You don't need to morph yourself into something else. Grab a hold of the grace of God. Trust in the righteousness that God provides and let that be what you clothe yourself in. Let that be your covering. Let that be what um, comforts your heart and what you pursue is to enter into God's rest through his grace versus trying to make yourself or jump through someone else's hoops or standards because you see yourself as less valuable because if only you were born to Jewish parents, if only, you know, if you were actually a disciple, actually got to walk with Jesus. If you were only had a little bit more money, if you only had sinned a little bit less, if you only had, you know, we could fill that in with any number of if onlys. It's endless and <laughs> all meant to disqualify you. Exactly. You know, but God is the one who justifies us. That's it. And um, that message is something that you hear throughout Scripture. I'll just give you a couple of references, right? Um, Matthew 3. And let me find the verse. Uh, it begins in verse 7, right? And it's talking about John the Baptist and his ministry and um, his message, right? Now, who is he speaking to? I'll ask that question first. Who is John the Baptist speaking to? The Pharisees and Sadducees. Mm. And anyone that comes out into the wilderness where he was called, right? They had to leave their place and go to him. Mm. But in verse 7, he says, says when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. 
and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. (laughs) And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Right, and it's not the only time that that's referenced, or it's also mm-hmm. actually in Luke 3 as well. Um, it also begins in verse 7, right? Talking about the message. And there's an Old Testament reference, uh, and I, I don't have the, <laughs> the location just yet. I have to track it down. But Moses is talking with the Lord, and the Lord is ready to strike down everyone. And Moses is interceding on the people's behalf. Right? Because the Lord already brought them out of Egypt. He already brought his chosen people out of Egypt and was making the way for them, but they were in opposition to him in every way, shape, and form. Even though he was continually blessing them. So there comes a point where the Lord's like, oh, hey, and I'll, I'll just wipe them all out and we'll essentially begin this over. And, uh, and Moses, of course, intercedes and says, no, but, but the people the surrounding nations, the surrounding tribes and peoples will say, well, the Lord couldn't actually save them, which is why he destroyed them all. And the Lord said, no, I will raise children from these stones. They're in the wilderness, right? They're, for 40 years they were in the wilderness. So there's nothing but rocks and dirt and sand. But the Lord, right? So the Lord said that himself, written in, in the Old Testament or the Older Testament, Right? So it's echoed here. It just continues that message. And let's also look at John the Baptist and his, I'll say, bona fides or credibility, right? Who was he? Anyone can answer. He was the son of the high priest, wasn't he? Yes. Zechariah, right? So clearly, he would have been trained, prepared, taught, admonished, encouraged to do all the things in line in teaching to someday also become the high priest. But if you look at even just what we read about John the Baptist, that's clearly not the path the Lord chose for him. Yes. It doesn't look anything like he initially set out or, you know, may have been instructed by his father to do. He's in the wilderness where, you know, eating locusts and wild honey and, you know, wearing camel skin um, for clothing. You're going to say something, Kyle. Oh, I had a question, but wasn't John the Baptist's mom also a lineage of priests? Didn't she also come from a lineage of priests that was... the His dad was the Levites, but I thought she came from another lineage of priests. It's possible I have to look into that. Wasn't... Uh, I'm thinking, I, was I don't know, but wasn't that a requirement of a Levite, though, to stay within the tribe? You, you anyway? have... Yes, typically. Yeah, yeah. Yes. so it would have been natural that that would have been so, yes. Right, and you hear uh, different names within the Levites, right, like the um, Zadok and, and whatnot, especially in the Old Testament. Um, yeah, the Korahites so, are mentioned a lot, right, or Korthites or something like that, uh, because yes. they're in that same lineage. But yeah, I think it was pretty... But which one specifically, I'm, I'm not 100% off the the top of my Yeah, because they were only, and, and they could marry a widow of a Levite, correct? Yeah. It was very specific about who they were supposed to marry. So, yeah. Exactly. So, but to get back on on what we're discussing here, you have um, the Apostle Paul writing, 
And he's saying, hey, it's it's not about, same as it, it has always been this way. It's not about just who you're born to. It's about, through faith, receiving the grace that has been given and afforded to you. And um, the Apostle John makes that clear as well, right? Uh, and that's in uh, John 1, verse 16 and 17. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. All right, so what's being addressed here is that we, all everyone, whether you were born of Israel or you were a Gentile, one of the nations, everyone has been given the same opportunity. And this is something that Paul references or discusses in greater detail later. It's in Romans 9, right? Um, verse 6 and 7. I'll just read those real quick. But it is... But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children. They are the seed of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. So right there, Paul is also refuting the, well, exactly like John the Baptist did, right? Don't say to yourselves we're children of Abraham, right? Yes, Abraham received the blessing, and the covenant was made with Abraham, but it was in your seed, right? So, and then there the the other statement of not all. Uh, let me let me reread that. Um, they are not all Israel who are of Israel. That that is a. I'll say a very gut-wrenching statement, harsh statement. Right there, Paul is saying, just because you were born to the nation of Israel does not mean you automatically make it. Mm -hmm. He's also refuting the argument. And where that is being, since that is the case, then it also means that those who were not born of Israel have an equal opportunity to receive that grace, the same grace given through faith. Any questions on that? So I know there's a, there's mm -hmm. a lot there and you know I just want to give people the opportunity to share and ask any questions they have. I mean there's a lot there. It's um you know I keep thinking about the section of being grafted in. And mm -hmm. um there's a lot of weight upon us that comes in that. I don't think we often consider, you know, um, it is by grace. It's of, it's, it is of nothing that we do. We have no, literally just have absolutely nothing, no way, no shape, no form, no nothing to claim that we've done anything that we deserve what we have received. Exactly. First and for, uh, foremost, our, deliverance from death that we're saved if there was nothing else that we received but there's so much more but we can't claim anything about it and um and so that that the weight of this 
in the impact of this isn't just limited to us. It's, uh, it's significant to everybody that's in the body. Amen. And so um, I wrote something um, a long time ago uh, about new members of the team joining my company. Okay. And I, and I wrote it as grafted in. And some of it applies only to the business, but helping them understand, you know, when we brought you into our team, Mm -hmm. this this is a man-made institution and we we made the choice of doing this of course obviously god chose us amen there's there's not a comparison in that regard i'm not trying to make that understand but um you know um when you think about um well just just talk about grafting itself and so grafting is a form of propagation that joins two or more different plants together to create a new unified plant Mm-hmm. So that's a lot in there, right there, right? Absolutely. And then two or more plants are joined so that um, they appear to grow as a single plant. Mm-hmm. Horticulturists identify three key reasons for grafting. To propagate trees that didn't root well by cutting a shoot from the poorly growing tree and grafting it into a healthy tree. So if you're poorly growing, you may get cut off. And it's... And, and we'll go deeper, but it's the vine dresser's responsibility for the protection mm-hmm. of the root and the main tree mm-hmm. that sometimes we cut some stuff off. Mm-hmm. Well, and the difference is you can be grafted in or thrown into the fire. Right, which is another part of what mm-hmm. we hear about Amen. later. You know, But um, the second reason is to obtain a stronger root system and uh, third, to grow plants faster. Mm-hmm. The root sustains the newly grafted branch. The newly grafted branch does not sustain the root. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Some of the key benefits of grafting are hardiness, sturdiness, disease resistance, larger harvest, faster growing time, and adaptability. Um, Nobody uh, looks at a tree and says, what a lovely branch. Although the tree is made up of roots, uh, um, you know, the tree is made up of roots, branches, leaves, etc. The tree is viewed as a whole. Mm Mm-hmm. Grafting requires cutting away of the host of the new branch, uh, and the new branch being grafted in must uh, be cut off from its old plant. The cut must be properly prepared. The host plant must also be cut to accept the graft. So there's pain to both. There's Mm -hmm. disruption to both. There's harm to both, but for the greater good. The, the, that point's the most vulnerable. If the graft isn't done correctly, the host and the graft are damaged. Grafting will damage the host if the wrong vine is grafted in. It, it would be wise not to attempt to graft an orange into an apple tree because everything would be bitter. And removing a vine from the host uh, causes damage, but it is necessary. It is the responsibility for the health of the vine and the, and the tree to remove branches. It could go deep, deeper. Just, it's just... Um, like I said, I, I think as we're link, thinking about this, we and when we grasp hold to the one one aspect of it, the one side of the coin, as it were, that that it requires nothing of us other than to receive what has been given for us. Mm-hmm. There's so much more that goes into it, Amen. That we need to carry in with weight as we continue to grow and mature into it. Absolutely, and um, you know, there there really is, and we're gonna. 
we're going to look at that more tomorrow because we didn't cover very much of this, mm-hmm. which I, I, I figured started. I figured that may be the case, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's okay. So we'll pick it up there. And we're going to look actually at, uh, and we, we've already kind of looked at this section of scripture a little bit, uh, dealing with Abraham and when the covenant was made, mm-hmm. right? Because it matters. And we, the, the Lord never does, uh, I won't say he never does anything new. He always is doing something new. Mm-hmm. But you can still see his handiwork and his, um, like, just infinite wisdom and in everything he does, even from the beginning. And the message is always the same, mm-hmm. right? He repeats himself to every generation again, so we all have the opportunity to, to get it, to mm-hmm. get the message, to receive the message and apply it to our lives, moving forward in him, mm-hmm. our, our Lord, our Savior, our Heavenly Father, and the things of him. So, um, so yeah, let's pause there for today, and we'll pick it up again. Same, same place. We're going to reread the same scriptures okay. next time, and okay, we'll discuss it in more depth and detail. All right? Sounds good. So, with that, can I get a volunteer to close this out in prayer, please? I will. All right, I promise. I just thank you for today. Just thank you for giving us an opportunity to cover all of your word and... Just making where the devil can't stop the body of Christ from moving forward. Amen to that. In the name of Jesus, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.